Oh God! Yet another um, installment of Chris records from his bed. Yes, yes, exactly. I will. This I should be a running segment. <laughs> no, no, please! I cannot. I have spent so much time in my bed this week. <laughs> it's annoying, super annoying. You sound different though. Like you sound. Okay. You don't have that, like you know that beautiful baritone voice that you normally have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's fine. It's clear, but maybe it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been on top of my game this week, so. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's, it's just uh, that. Sorry. So sorry for <laughs> insulting your voice on the podcast. I have so few notes for today. Oh, okay. That's good. Just because we are talking about the characters and there isn't much there except for maybe a few exceptions, but like all of the non-main characters, we don't really get anything interesting with them. Like there's nothing with Zeb to be talked about, nothing with Chopper really, nothing with Sabine even, mostly. I mean, we get we get a lot of stuff with her, but it's not like anything new or interesting in my opinion. And also Hera is like not really like doing much um i would argue that we have a lot from sabine and hera um more from sabine than we've had yet so far and in the case of obviously ezra and kanan have their own shit going on yeah it's it's interesting i was very curious when this when when this uh, uh these episodes started because obviously we get some significant changes not just in the look of certain characters but also just in the dynamic I like that a lot. So some some callbacks maybe that are that are interesting. Some new characters. Do we get any new characters? Oh yeah, we do. No, Go- Governor yeah, Price, yeah. who gives me major Kate Blanchett vibes. Interesting. I didn't. I mean, I thought we saw Governor Price in the past though, maybe. but very sparingly. Yeah. And now she's more present. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the the big one is uh, Grand Admiral Thrun. Obviously, I perked up at that because yeah. We, we've heard about him for in The Mandalorian and we know that Ahsoka hates him, but we don't know why. And I assume we'll find out. And he's very intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like, honestly, the introduction of Thrawn is amazing. Yeah. Um, he instantly changes the entire dynamic of the Empire um, and is a really fascinating case um, in terms of his demeanor and it's just so different than everyone else around him and honestly different than anyone we've ever seen in the empire in terms of his not only his intelligence because i would argue tarkin is intelligent but his refusal to just be dismissive of what they would call savage cultures i guess (laughs) oh yeah i i hated that so much (laughs) i mean but that's what what they were going for of course yeah in some ways yeah 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 i think that is a really good comparison because Tarkin is just very dismissive of things and thron knows that you know thing you know he kind of still has some regard for things even though in the grand scheme of things it's not that important but he still kind of respects it in a way yeah i mean he's still evil and he's very exactly. <laughs> um it makes him more yeah. effective that way Exactly. He's extremely calculating and is understanding. Um, and I find him just 
captivating in the way that he just commands every room that he goes into and it's his even from his presence is phenomenal like one of my favorite scenes of these first seven episodes is the first moment that Hera and Thrawn come face to face Mm -hmm. and just the two so sort of smartest individuals on both sides of this conflict coming face to face and navigating the the nuances of you know who who her identity is and what her role is there and how they're able to end up escaping and and it's just such a phenomenal uh way to kind of propel like the future conflict but now they know each other they've they've come into contact with one another and these are the two leaders of our heroes and our villains and i i love when he's standing on the cruiser looking down at the house and just waiting to see oh now how will you respond captain and in reference to Hera and he has such uh, he has such a respect for her specifically and you could see that in the way that he addresses her and shows I don't want to say I've said the word respect so many times but there has to be a better word but I think it's very reminiscent of like 19th century British gentleman officers in a way I mean, I don't know because I wasn't a 19th century British officer. <laughs> so I can't well, let tell me you tell you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's of what we could imagine them to be, I guess. Right? Sure. Um so that's fair enough. I, I don't know. I found it I found him a very effective villain. Yeah. And it's it's sort of the Empire and this conflict needed a level up, and they got they definitely got one with Thrawn. Yeah, and just the presence that you mentioned earlier. It's incredible. From the get-go, you see that this is someone you need to take serious. I mean, obviously, the contrast with his foil is huge, and I think they overdid it there a little bit. Like, he's just such an idiot, that guy. Which guy? The guy, like, his officer. Oh, on Ryloth. Yeah, the guy who's like, these savages, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, this is, like, nothing important. And she's, what do you mean? She is just a servant. And Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, but but what I found one of the most interesting scenes with Thrawn is actually when he snaps at him, at that guy. Yeah. And just very brief, like you can see behind the facade. And he just immediately realizes what he did and regains his composure. No, Thrawn is amazing in this. And his the and you can see the ferocity that he has within him that mm-hmm. he uses in a, such a calculated way that then makes him an effective strat- strategist right as opposed to one who gets consumed by his emotions and as you said in the one second that he does get consumed he immediately is able to control himself again and oh, just so good it's almost honestly. it's almost reminiscent of jedi in that way Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because take a step back and think about things more calculatingly. Exactly. And the Jedi too, they would be like, okay, like I respect my opponent's decision and like I can admire that sort of thing. I feel like that's that, that that's something that Obi-Wan, for example, would do too. The 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 key difference is that Thrawn is okay killing civilians. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying they're like, you know, the Venn diagram is 100% overlapping, but 
I see some similarities there. I just need to get this out of uh, of my chest. Callus is fulcrum, right? Like, I mean, you you don't need to say anything, but like, I just need to say it. Like, I'm like he, he that was like the voice was so similar the way he talked. You think so? <laughs> yes, I think so. Mm. <laughs> I can just see myself editing this in two weeks when I know who Fulcrum actually is, and then I know because I've been hating doing this now. Like whenever, whenever I edit something and I already I sound like an idiot because I don't know <laughs> know stuff. Same with um, we'll get to this later, but uh, uh, Kanan and his actual identity that we've seen in Bad Batch. Oh, okay. Whew, you made that connection. Of course, of course. Okay. How could I not? I don't know. I don't know if you, <laughs> if you caught that at all. Oh yeah. I mean, when when did you find that out? I mean, as soon as we. As as the name Caleb was uttered. Okay. Okay. So you remembered the the Padawan's name in episode. Yeah. One. Yeah. Just because I thought that that was so weird to have, um, like that's just such a normal name. That's like the magistrate in Mandalorian, whatever her name was, because we're so used to silly Star Wars names, and yeah. whenever there's just, like same with Ezra Bridger, it's just such a normal name. Yeah. Whew. I can finally say that. Uh, i can finally get that <laughs> off my chest yes <laughs> yeah you must have fist pumped when when you saw that first episode of bad batch oh no it was oh no it was uh clone wars wasn't it no no it was bad batch it was bad batch okay. it was that first like opening movie i guess yeah yeah true true true, true. chasing through the trees and stuff mm-hmm. like that because um, yeah. i i thought you might have made the connection when they've referenced um beppa de Laba, who is master and because they made a point to say the name as well in the first yeah. episode of Bad Batch, but that's such a small detail. Yeah, and that and was now. like two months earlier. And I, I, I just don't really re- remember where where I've seen what sort of yeah. thing, right? just because yeah. we watched so much. Yeah. Um, going back to Thrawn, I think mm-hmm. Thrawn has just such uh his the voice actor of Thrawn a, oh my god, so well done, and he just such a such great lines throughout this whole thing. I mean, my two favorite lines that I can think of off the top of my head is um, when Grand Admiral Thrawn says that he will lead the rebellion to be the architects of their own destruction. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, chills of, down my spine. So well yeah. done. You see someone who is thinking five moves ahead. Exactly. And then when he's and when he's slowly revealing that he knows that Hera is his captor or his captive, he when he calls her forged by war, it's just like, that's so freaking true. And it's the way he says it and simultaneous disdain for her, but then also kind of feeling bad for her to a certain extent. And it's just, it's so good. It's, I love, I just like immediately love Thrawn. So yay, Thrawn is here. Yeah, I'm just curious to see where he's going and what he will do that will upset Ahsoka so much. I mean, he is one of the leaders of yeah. the Empire, so... Uh, Isn't that enough? Be, yeah, there will be <laughs> stuff to come and, like, obviously also the things he's done to get there. But yeah. yeah, I assume there will be something more personal. Speaking of villains and personal, there is also Maul who makes a return here. Yes. Which... Uh, yeah you know it was fine it was not one of the best mall 
episodes, I would say. I think so. To a certain extent, yes, but also Maul is just so good that he kind of, the voice actor just captures everything and it is still phenomenal in that way. I mean, the episode itself and the story beats is, I found it fascinating in the way that obviously like it's a little weird just to build up to what the the climax of that episode going back and getting the the holocron through the spiders and i'm just like okay fine it's, it's taking so long we, we know what's yeah. gonna happen here um but it is uh, a nice i mean it is a way for and i guess we'll get into ezra and kanan's uh relationship later but it is a way for them to resolve their relationship um but i actually found like this episode to be quite fascinating in the way that the understanding what more about what holocrons are mm-hmm. and then combining the holocrons is such a, an interesting scene there because they're both asking questions mm. and it's clear that it is it's leading so um Ezra sees what he says twin sons and I'm just yes. like, <gasps> <laughs> yes, <laughs> because he I had asked, the same reaction. <laughs> exactly. Because he asked, like, what, where is the key to destroying the Sith? That's what he wants to know. Mm. And that's amazing. Like, I mean, we know where, like, where that leads in the future, right? In the episode, in the movies. So at the end, I have, I have a question for you. What do you think Maul is seeking to see in the holocrons? What is he looking for, do you think? I think maybe for a way to destroy Sidious in particular. Yeah? Like, just his former master, because uh, we have seen in Clone Wars how much he is scared of him, and rightly so. Yeah. And I think maybe that's always on his mind. Like, just that way, can he actually be totally free? Mm, with the Sidious out there, exactly, and uh, yeah, I think I think that that could be his kind of his, what he he is going to seek out, which would be fun because that's literally the same as Ezra. But I could also see like him just like rising to power or something. But that doesn't strike me as something that is that like I think Maul has some pretty good ideas himself how to gain power. So he does need a holocron for that. Yeah. But just philosophically, I think I, I think I really like the idea of holocrons because, you know, we have the Sith and the Jedi holocron and for them to be like combined, a Jedi and a Sith have to work together. And that's very interesting. And that's kind of, you know, speaks to speaks to the force in a bigger picture too, because only that way can you have like a balance. Yeah. And that so so it was like not explicitly so like stated in the in the episode, but that was just like the philosophical foundation of that. Just struck me as something really interesting. No, it's fascinating, and it's something that, as you said, is so rare to happen. And just like Ezra as a character is so rare to be able to open both as well. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I I just found it really interesting and. One of the things I love about Maul is every time he addresses Ezra, calling him his apprentice. Yes. Just, oh my God. It's like such a subtle, not not that subtle, but it's like, it's such a dig at Kanan every single time. Yeah. Once he, when he talks to Kanan with Ezra there, he calls, 
he calls Ezra their apprentice yeah. or our yeah. apprentice or whatever. Um, and when he's just there with Ezra, it's like my apprentice. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's funny. And then also, I love when he goes, when he's walking Kanan down the hall and it's like, when you when you first don't succeed, try, try again. And he just pushes him out the airlock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh shit. Yeah, that I was mean, really, like, that was really st like episode eight, Leia being blown out of the bridge and using the force to get back yeah that was that's what that reminded me of yeah 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 i mean this was also way this was before leia obviously yeah. um and for me it kind of showed a little bit that this kind of thing is more possible and it's seen and it's it's in it's in the canon that this happens that this is something that can happen um so it actually puts more context into the what happened with leia and makes it more reasonable relatively speaking i actually think that this episode episode three is quite strong um because you have a, a character arc for ezra and kanan in this they resolve their issues you have very interesting questions about what's going to happen in the future and then you have the fascinating lore of the holocrons mixing mm. them together uh, oh yeah i definitely agree i just think that in a in a sense maul is almost the weakest part of this episode or at least he's not as strong as in other episodes of his I see. I mean, he just like he is the vehicle for something. He's not yes. like the 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 main guy here, especially when you compare him to Clone Wars Maul. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, where he's just fucking insane. God. Yeah, because he actually has a lot of power, like institutional power. Exactly. Here it's just him on his own, which is still very powerful, but it's yeah. not the same. Yeah. Oh, I. <laughs> I, I'm like trying to think to myself right now. Like, I think Maul might be my second favorite villain. Oh, villain. Okay. Star Wars villain. Star Wars character ever. No, I would okay. say villain. I mean, it's hard to ever like surpass Darth Vader. Yeah. Just because Vader is so Vader's iconic. Vader, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but like, there's not many good villains out there, right? No, absolutely I mean, not. Ventress is cool, and we do hear Ventress's voice here in one of these episodes. Um, oh, was like that Ventress's her? Voice. Interesting. I did not uh, did not catch that. Um, cool. Where is it? Yeah, that's in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, the voice that Ezra heard. Yeah, hears. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Ventress or it just sounds like Ventress. It's supposed mm. to be a dark sidey voice, but it yeah. sounds <laughs> awfully close to what Ventress uh -huh. um, sounds like. <laughs> was that just now you uh, oh no no trying absolutely. to backpedal <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> shit i just spoiled something quickly i quickly. did not spoil anything okay. honestly um but it does actually this is the first time i've noticed that it sounds like ventress or it is ventress's voice i mean ventress clearly isn't in the sith or dark side anymore right yeah, yeah. so like why would her voice come to the sith why would it be her talking <laughs> in the sith holocron? sure sure I'm not, I didn't spoil anything. <laughs> I swear. Ah! <laughs> At the end of the show, you will realize I did not spoil anything. Okay. Okay. So what did you think about Bendu? <laughs> oh, man. The Bendu? Yeah. Or Bendu? It's interesting. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Bendu, honestly. Um, I like the idea of the Bendu. <laughs> um, I like having a being who's neither the dark side or the light side. I I just like meh that's my feeling of Bendu. It's like 
for me, it's actually more reflective of Kanan in the sense that Kanan is still a Padawan. <laughs> Yeah. In the sense that he always needs someone to guide him. And in this case, he's turning to the Bendu to guide him. Okay. I really liked him. Uh, he gave me like some kind of mix between like Shadow of the Colossus and Miyazaki vibes. Oh, I see. Okay. And uh, yeah, I really liked him as a teacher as well. Like this, you know, I, I think it's all it's always interesting to have these characters who are neither jedi nor sith but they're still with the force yeah uh, i think those are kind of the most interesting characters and he seems very wise so that's that was just very very engaging for me and he kind of yeah very much influences kanan and his epiphany which i thought was an amazing scene and moment one of the best ones in the show so far i would i would which scene which epiphany scene sorry when uh, when he re- when kanan realizes that he has felt himself and reali- oh basically God, that sees was so himself good. yeah that was so good yeah oh. and uh, yeah so w- without without bendu that it's not this scene doesn't happen and also kanan doesn't change and doesn't actually become a teacher to ezra so all the props for all the props to him and i I especially like that he hates these these staffs that ah yeah that's a funny little thing from the spiders it's just like every time he just snaps them in half yeah that's interesting like i i see the benefit of bendu i'm just like "Mm." yeah you're just not that sold on him i i can understand that it's fine i think yeah it reminds me of cat bus and i'm just like (laughs) <laughs> that's all i think of. when you said miyazaki i'm like wow okay i thought more of the uh of the uh, god of the forest oh that makes more sense i'm just but a cat bus that can talk <laughs> no um, but i feel like i've seen this like this character like a character that looks very similar somewhere else but i can't think where i th- i saw it yeah i i like i like the the fact that he sort of blends into the nature of the of the whole planet he is he is one with nature in that way mm-hmm. that i mean is part of the lessons of rebels in general rebels is very environmentally friendly like <laughs> vibes everywhere but mm. i think part of me is like i wish maybe i maybe i'm just like yeah maybe i have i have to like reevaluate my relationship with bendu i mean you can uh, also not like him that's no, okay no no, it's not okay <laughs> <laughs> um no i i can like i cannot okay. like him but i i don't have any how about this i don't have any negative feelings but i don't particularly like him mm. he just he is he's more of a reflection on our own on the characters what we're supposed to care about and i think he does your your point is right that he it's because of him that kanan is able to take a step forward and actually become a character that you kind of start to like mm-hmm. um and that's a cool change because Kanan is a character that I think both of us or neither of us liked in the first couple seasons. Mm. But you can see a, a, an active change in his character. He's less moody and less grime, not grimy, grimy in a certain way. And he, he just like has some development to him. And that's really nice to see. And before we talk about the crew members of the Ghost, I kind of want to briefly talk about Hondo and also about Rex. Yes, please. So we have Hondo, we have Rex to talk about. 
we have uh, some of the Mandalorian stuff to talk about if we want before we get to our favorite things. And then also we are going to, I know you said Chopper has nothing to talk about. We're going to talk about Chopper. Of course. Like, like we can always talk about Chopper. Okay. That's, but can we have a Chopper like... dedicated episode, please? Of course. I mean, not today, but we can definitely do that at some point. It's just three hours of talking about Chopper. I could probably. Yeah. We are going to do a droid draft at some point. So. God, God. <laughs> it's going to be so much work preparing this and it's going to be very difficult to decide, but I'm uh, already looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. I can already think of what my final four would be like. <laughs> Depends on the brackets, man. Depends I on know. the brackets. Uh. <laughs> okay. So, again, Hondo, I think I don't like him in Rebels. I think he's just annoying. I'm sorry. I know you love him. And I, lo I loved him too in Clone Wars, but in Rebels, I don't like him. I was going to say he's getting annoying. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I didn't mind him the first few episodes, but in this one, I'm just like, huh. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything because you loved him so much. I love Hondo. I love Hondo. Like, I, I love Hondo too, love Hondo. but just not this one. This This particular episode, he's like, okay. That's a little much, honestly. Um, I, I one of the things I do like is that whenever Ezra goes to lie, he's like, "Hondo Onaka will vouch for me." And I'm just like, "You're really barking up the wrong tree." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know what it is about this. I think it's this particular episode that he talks a little too much. He, I liked him even at the beginning of Rebels a little bit more when he's partially acting as a mentor for Han for Ezra, and that's kind of gone here i thought that the um the rex refighting the uh the clone wars was kind of an interesting episode i just didn't like the ending of it the ending was pretty sappy but oh the ending was terrible and especially <laughs> when ezra's like you solved the clone wars and i'm like fucking fucking a that's not what had happened there <laughs> yeah just like, stop it rex you're smarter than that um but I liked it as like a a psychological experiment or a psychological reflection on Rex still feeling like he belongs in a war because he was he as he mentioned he's bred for combat and that's a really nice reflection of his sense of self. Um, so I I really like that and also it's nice to have the tactical droids again. Um, and I I I do like the the part where they fight together against the Empire. I find that fun. Um, but but all of a sudden the dro the droids are capable. Exactly. Well, uh, uh, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that more capable, more capable. But then <laughs> they still like get shot. Like they're still like, yeah. oh hello, are you? <laughs> like welcome. Yeah, that that. But later on in the actual battle, they, yeah, yeah. Like, that's well, also maybe that's a reflection of stormtroopers. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> yeah, but it was like the the idea of the the, the separatist droids still being active and quote-unquote still fighting the clone war that also really reminded me of of um japanese soldiers on pacific islands yeah still thinking it's world war ii decades after it yeah it's it's, it's really interesting and i i like that idea of uh, when kanan lets ezra like tells ezra like let him do his thing this is important for him and yeah that was cool a sense Can't of closure remember. because the way the clone wars ended particularly for rex because we know how it ended for yeah. rex <laughs> it was like so all of a sudden no closure no sense of victory only loss and sadness and sorrow and mm. 
like this is him kind of reliving his glory days in a way. You can still see kind of the bonds he has with that, like the connection, because, you know, he, he has kind of PTSD in this episode and he, you know, he still has trouble calling Kane, not calling Kane and Commander. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I really liked it, like him, like actually getting some closure. That was that was really nice. I kind I half expected him to die here. That that would have been kind Whoa. of sad. But I also expected him to die earlier in these episodes. Got it. I, f- I feel like every every time we we uh, watch a bunch of episodes, I always expect someone to die, like a specific. Yeah, you're character. really like hoping for die. That's... I'm not hoping for it. I'm just expecting it. Okay. Temper your expectations. <laughs> the funniest thing, though, I don't know why that was so funny to me, but like. At some point, Ezra asks, "Who is Roger?" And I don't know why that it it just caught me off guard, and everyone's just like laughing out loud. It's not that funny, but it just caught me in the in the right moment. Well, like you really like, there's something with you and the droid silly humor that kind of like tickles your fancy, and like this is adjacent to that. So I kind of guess that it's you're true. Like that. Um, I love I capital L love when rex like lays into ezra about like being disciplined during war and stuff like that that because like rex immediately went back into war mode and ezra's like a stupid undisciplined person and he thinks he's hot shit and rex yells at him in a way that no one ever yells at ezra because he's spoiled and i was like yes he needs some more of this seriously because one of the things that most infuriated me about ezra in these episodes is that he just likes to pull rank on everyone no this is a command this is an order it's like fuck you ezra for once you have some authority and you're just like tripping off of it yeah no i think i really like that when they get back from it hera's like okay your command is gone sorry yeah um because he needed that he needed to be pulled down a peg because those first two episodes he's like especially when he gets promoted to lieutenant commander god yeah um, so ridiculous but yeah right um one other thing one other quote from the rex episode about rex in particular was when kanan says battles leave scars some you can't see and that's just a, mm. such a nice line honestly um and Kanan understands how serious, even though he hasn't, he didn't experience the Clone Wars as much as Rex did because he's younger, but he understands immediately the, how, what this all means to Rex and what this means and how to deal with these things. So I, I like Kanan in this episode in particular um, in his um, management of Ezra's Ezra-ness. So Chopper. Chopper. I mean, M-fucking-VP. <laughs> yeah. All the fucking time. So, like, I obviously love Chopper. Yes. All the time. I love how he has such strong emotions. His arms, again, were amazing. When he goes, like, even when they, like, go to the Hera's old house and they see the Y-Wing that Chopper was saved from and he's just sitting there silent. Oh, man. And I'm just like, oh, my God, Chopper, are you okay? (laughs) Like, I just want to give Chopper a hug. And it's just like, it's so amazing how they can imbue... Uh, a droid with like somber emotion as well because we don't really see much of that even with chopper i think also in particular chopper in these episodes has lost some of his assholiness and i think that's really Mm -hmm. good Um, he becomes more supportive and he still has has like a bite to him to a certain extent but he's not just an outright dick and they're (laughs) they're slowly moving that down so like in season one i would say he was his at his dickiest and then season two was a little bit less but still kind of like an asshole and then i think so far this season he's been fine i think 
I think that's kind of indicative of the general tone of the season and the show. Yeah. Because, you know, we've uh, I I don't know whether it was just me or whether you you were agreeing with me, but just like the tone of this show so far has been very like jokey and jovial in a way. Like there are no consequences for anything. And so like, you know, Chopper can just be silly and now it's it's more grounded in a way. Yeah, I think the se- like the tone of this first few episodes we've seen this season is much improved in the yeah. way that like even from the first episode where they lose the phantom and they immediately get another one which is like I have a note on that and I'm just like not happy about that. But um there are consequences here. Like Hera loses her childhood home, for example. Like there are just like there are things happening that will impact these characters and that's great. Mm. Um obviously I know you want everyone to die, but <laughs> yeah i was i was really hoping for everyone to die that's yeah, exactly that's kind of the gist of it that's the end of the show thrawn just like chokes out everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the rest of it is just ahsoka hunting down uh, i mean thrawn. that would I, be a I'd better show <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely uh, but like okay so in that uh, like chopper some chopper highlights like what he's <laughs> and he's just like putting the explosives around Hera's house and just like kind <laughs> of like do 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 so great he's just like having so much fun yeah or also like when he goes to distract the guards as like they're trying to get around him and he's oh, like, yeah. just like arms up going blah 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 blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's so great oh. chopper is just like amazing and everything yeah. honestly and like i actually thought for a second they might lose chopper so like Ooh. chopper gets like um electrocuted or yeah by the d- destroyer droid and then he's on like the y-wing about to fall down to oblivion and i was like oh my god is chopper gonna fall is chopper gonna fall and it's like talk about consequences um fuck but yeah so it's i love chopper and if they ever destroy jobber i will never forgive anyone (laughs) no okay no 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 no. okay that's that's a lie like again on the scale from uh clovis to ahsoka (laughs) closer to ahsoka not all the way there of course no um i'll give him maybe six out of ten ahsokas (laughs) that was exactly where i was landing to (laughs) Uh, he's just amazing so i love chopper so i love like so when i when i w- disagreed with you at the top and saying that we don't get a lot about chopper i think we do because we get the story of his why wing a little bit we get the yeah, clarity there true. we get his depth of emotion a little bit more and i you've never seen or i've never seen a droid have so much range of emotion bb8 mm-hmm. is quite expressive i will say um but the room that chopper has to be basically ta- catatonically sad and then also just like super jovial is just it's, it's just great. So kudos to Chopper. They do, they know what they're doing with Chopper now uh, up up until like the in these episodes. So so unfortunately, we don't really get anything with Zeb. I yeah, think it's sad. Kind, kind of the only thing of note is not even with him, just about him when Callus helps Sabine and is, and she questions why. And, you know, obviously Callus says, say, say, uh, tell, uh, tell Zeb that we're even now. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense because he did save his life. So, yeah, I think I fucking swear if Kellis is not Fulcrum, I will eat my shoes. 
And uh, my my question from that episode entirely, just like one question I have from that episode, that's a lot of fucking effort for two pilots, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like, and what their maximum would have been three pilots? Like, no, I'm okay. I I literally have two notes for this entire episode, so. Yeah, me too. And it's like, callous. Yes. One and is callous and pilots. one is uh, about Ezra. Okay, so next up we have Sabine, I would say. Sure, talk about Sabine. Then I mean, we talked about Hera already quite a bit. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything else about Hera before we talk about Sabine. Um, I really, I really liked when she she tells her father, "Yeah, I'm sorry," and he's like, "Oh, it's fine." <laughs> when yeah. they have the exchange, <laughs> no, I mean about blowing our home up, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> fucking hilarious of course there's quite a lot about her here but um i think again she shines in these small uh moments when for example she tells kanan to talk to ezra yeah stuff like that you know yeah i mean when she's just like being the only intelligent person around half the time um it's just it's great to see her just being a leader and also, when she is apologizing to Ezra for like putting everyone at risk, it's mm-hmm. like she's literally made one mistake this whole the whole time, yeah. and this one mistake, like, and she um, she takes it such to heart because I think she feels the the weight of the entire rebellion on her shoulders, oh, for sure. and feels the res- such a responsibility to everybody, and that's incredible honestly mm. and it's so heartbreaking to see her being apologizing to ezra of all people who fucks up every turn every time he like turns a corner and it's i i really like hera in this uh, these episodes i find that like her desire to get her family crest or emblem or whatever or whatever you want to call it i think it's called a calicori technically mm-hmm. um is I don't know. You know me. I love Ryloth. I love the Twi'leks as well. So I, I like, it just shows how much it means to her for her to go against her better judgment to go and try to get something like this. Um, but in the end, it also just shows so much of a, just like how amazing she is as a leader and how inspirational she can be in the sense that she just feels so much responsibility and, always expresses like or sees the best in others but fails to see the best in herself sometimes but she's mm-hmm. just such a natural leader it's ah i love i love hera just like she's nine out of ten ahsokas yeah absolutely maybe maybe what nine and a half yeah the only 10 out of 10 is ahsoka herself. <laughs> ahsoka <laughs> yes so we do get a little bit about like a lot with Sabine, but not so much about her. I would say I think the the episode about the Antilles extraction, we we basically just get. I mean, we see her in action, but there's nothing really new about her, or like we that we find out about her necessarily. I like her because they change her hair all the time, but I like her with dark purple hair i think that's like a really cool look the black the jet black look i as you were saying that i was reminded of uh of (laughs) when maul looks at all the rooms and (laughs) yeah he see he sees her room oh colorful yeah (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) yeah so episode seven i thought was 
quite interesting, especially because we find out more about her family and Gar Saxon, which we who we have seen in Clone Wars, I think, right? He's the guy I think I back in the day I said he looks a little bit like John Hamm. <laughs> yeah. I think so, actually. I'm not sure. I think so, because I definitely remembered that name, Gar Saxon. Okay. I think he was like one of the one like uh, the the second in command or third in command for Death Watch. Ah, uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and then afterwards he was kind of imprisoned or something. Um, after I the think he was War. in um, Maul's cohort. Yeah, 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 exactly. right? yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was like a lot. Like I don't know. I thought that that was interesting, but it didn't like. What, what, that was one of the less interesting Mandal or Mandalorian things. I think that there's a couple interesting things here. Maybe you didn't notice them, but maybe you did. So they they have a few, quite a few references to Sabine's traitorous past. Yeah. What does that mean in particular? Right, because it 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 comes both from um, Gar Saxon and it also comes from Fenrau. And both of them have very different opinions about the role of the Empire and the Mandalorian. So what did Sabine do? Like where what is what from whom did she like commit treason? So that's a very interesting thing. That's an interesting question to think about how there's multiple different perspectives all consider her traitorous. And I'm like, huh. That's a very interesting uh note to think about there. So we have some some info, like or not some info, but we get some cl- not clarity, but we have some questions about Sabine's past, which is good. I like that. Uh, I like that they're teasing it too, because I don't like I don't want them to just like info dump everything all at once about Sabine, in particular because she's like the most mysterious character of all of them. I I like the interesting question that Ezra asks: Why would Mandalorians fight other Mandalorians? Yeah, yeah and I'm just like, oh yeah, that same question could be asked about humans. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> it, oh, it's yeah. just it's very interesting to me how I wonder to what extent. Uh, Mandalorians are supposed to be the representation of humanity within the Star Wars universe. Mm. The very violent, actively like um, aggressive uh, group of people that always are fighting and can't get their shit together. Um, so it's an interesting question about, are they the humans of the Star Wars galaxy? I like how Sabine gets her jetpack in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, because that's missing from her arsenal, honestly. And it's fun to be like, ooh, Sabine, get her jetpack. I've wanted this for so long. Exactly. <laughs> and how furious um, she is at the end when they, dis- uh, they get a shot. It. Yeah. Um, but I love one another another note about Sabine is that who is her mother? Yeah. Right? Her mother, like, her Gar Saxon's like, your mother is looking for you. And I'm just like, huh. That's a very, like, poignant question or poignant statement to make. And so, like, coming out of this episode i we don't have many answers or coming out of the series of episodes we don't have many answers about sabine but we have now trains of questioning that we can can go down and then hopefully get more answers in the future so i like how they're setting this up and you can see the 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 groundwork being laid for sabine uh, to get more information out of her in the future because this is okay. So I'm comparing this uh, depiction of Sabine's past to what, what they hand what they did in season two with Zeb's past, and I would argue that this is a lot better. Because not only because of the mythic, blah 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 prophecy kind of thing, 
more so because in that other episode, we get so much, just like a, literally a dump of information about Zeb's past and his history that he just outright states to everybody. And we don't get really any teasing up to it. We don't get any questions. We don't have any like larger depth to it and different perspectives of it. But in this, we start to get the perspectives and the questions first. And hopefully then we can get more answers later on. So I, I don't know. I, I like, I think this episode juxtaposed with the Zeb episode from season two shows how this, the quality of the this show is moving up in, in, I think in a good direction, but that's particular. I mean, I'm also love Sabine. So I think Sabine gets a lot of like, uh, she, she needs more screen time. So even when in episode four, it's just Sabine doing her thing and nothing else really. I still like that episode too, because every, she's just a great character. So. Yay. Sabine. Yeah. I think, I think this was very much just a setup for, for later episodes, like of things to come. And yeah, I think I, I had at times wasn't entirely clear like whether some attacks on her were because of her as a as a person or like her family as a whole. But I think I think it uh, depends on the person because it's Yeah, exactly. Cool. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, like yeah. Depending on where, like which like which person you ask. Um and like obviously with Gar Saxon, he is like part of her like clan or whatever. Um, so that is also like an interesting thing. Um, yeah, I'm very curious to see where this this is going. And yeah, I really hope that they will have. I mean, I must assume they will have something like this for Zeb in in this season. Otherwise, I'd be very disappointed. Yeah, I want um, more Zeb, honestly. Yeah, for sure. And just like, get, but get Chris, a, what do we talk about? No expectations. No expectations with Star Wars. Never, never. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, shall we get? Shall we get into? Um... <sighs> <laughs> I still fucking hate Ezra. He's the yeah. worst. He's such an egocentric control freak, and just yeah. like the one thing I will say, I he's much better with a lightsaber now. Like it's it's cooler to see him. Like actually, the choreography with him is better. And he has, um, a, but he has a green lightsaber. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Oh, why would it not make sense? Because he's he's more of a blues lightsaber kind of guy. Yeah, fair enough. I feel fair like enough. I feel like Kanan and he should switch. Like Kanan is the more tactical thinker, and Ezra is more the like in the moment. Let's just attack and not really think about things. That's so interesting because I didn't even notice the change because in my Ezra always has a green lightsaber. <laughs> um, because I mean. He has a green lightsaber now, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the the last things you've seen of him were with a green lightsaber. So that yeah, yeah, sense. yeah. Because one of the one of the things that was going through my mind in the end of season two of the Mandalorian was, is that Ezra? Right. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. You're right. Uh, but I mean, obviously, that's way better. What happened? Yes. Yes, I was happy. About that. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But yeah. um, but that's like a question as well. So. And that's actually, if you look at how they revealed everything, it's like it could have been Ezra, like up until basically like the point where you see the mechanical arm, yeah. essentially, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and that's like, oh fuck, that should be that should be Luke. <laughs> I I had I was really hoping uh, that Ezra would take a turn, like that 
his character would improve. And I think yeah. it has gotten, it has definitely changed and parts of it are more interesting. Like I was really holding up hope in the first two episodes or so, maybe the first three. And then I just resigned myself to no, this is still, he's still an asshole. Yeah, I think, I and I wonder, I think there's, in the first two episodes is when he's at his most assholiness. Yeah. And he reaches a peak of assholeness. <laughs> I think it does come down slightly mm. um, in the subsequent episodes, but also the subsequent episodes are not really about Ezra. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we'll we will have to reserve. I would have to reserve judgment on Ezra until the next time we see him in the in the center of everything, because I think that him, it's interesting him f- becoming a commander and then failing so miserably at the beginning. Now it's about how does he respond to that failure. Mm. And we haven't really seen much uh, uh, from him since that episode two, where he does become a failure to a certain extent uh, and has to then recognize that he's, that he failed. But yes, he's he, in that for in those first two episodes in particular, I just want to punch him. Honestly, <laughs> the way he just like commands people around it's such a bitch, like get your shit together, man. Like, stop and like everyone's like oh this is a little idea this is what we're like he thinks that he can order everyone else around but then he doesn't have to take any orders because his orders were clear and he disobeys his orders and then orders everyone else around and uh it's so bad do as i say not as i do but i think also that in particular is influenced during the time when he is under the dark influence of the dark side yeah yeah right so that's a very important thing because do as i do as i say like no questions asked is a very dark side mentality. Mm. So that's a, a very specific thing. And I wonder like what his journey with the dark side will become and what will it be, because it's clear that he has some relationship to it. Um, and that's clear from the last episode, the last season as well, season two. So how does that develop and change him as a person? Uh, and if he does ever change so (laughs) let's see but yeah i was really curious about the whole sith thing too but especially with the holocron that's like a clear a clear sign right um and him being kind of pulled into this and you know we talked about it with maul like how he tries to exert more influence on him or reaffirm his influence rather and obviously the whole thing about yeah i like we can we can learn from this i have used things that i've learned from this to protect others and i think that's kind of the most important part and like the thing i like kind of most about the dark side is that it manipulates people who want to uh, save other others yeah but yeah he's still a brat for sure yeah i i, I think he is a brat and one of the but I, I like that he's he's becoming a little bit more bratty from the dark side. There's there's mm-hmm. something influencing him there. It's not just his nature, as it was when he was younger. Um, and it is it is also his nature, but <laughs> it's exacerbated. It, when they land on the platform and he's going through, and then they run up to these pigs that speak a different language, his first instinct is like, I want to hurt them. Like, yeah, his mentality is completely changed, and you can see that through these episodes and you can see how the dark side slowly manipulates one from and making them think that they're doing right and it slowly changes the actual actions that they do take so he's just so impatient 
I really hate that. About oh, which him. is why he turned to the dark side. Exactly. Right? And I think he has to learn to come back to... Not to come back, to become patient. And to take it slowly. And and Kanan explicitly tells him it's a trap. Like, the dark side offers... um quick results but it is a trap in the long run and anger is a trap and he doesn't respond to that and but now i'm kind of hopeful for the first time because now he actually has a teacher in canaan because obviously canaan has a huge uh, you know undergoes a huge change and like the 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 hug between the two of them like when when basically canon tells him like i never blamed you for for what happened to me yeah that i found that genuinely touching yeah that was i i really like their journey in the first three episodes because like it, you see their biggest gulf i guess their biggest conflict in the way that they kind of separate and as a result of the guilt that ezra feels and then they come fully back together and it is, I thought you're right. It is a very touching moment that they have between each other. So I hope it actually leads to some change by Ezra. Here's to hoping. But in the meantime, we have a very, very interesting change in Kanan and I loved him in this. Yeah. Kanan has finally become good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. So good. We I briefly mentioned it earlier. The scene when he recognizes himself and his oh, his feelings, chilling. and it's, that's so powerful. And you know, he like afterwards, he's just so wise, and so he is like he has kind of become a Jedi at this point, like fully. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Kanan, I think, has had the biggest transformation from day one to where we are now. Um, and most of it happens in the last three episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. He learns a lot through the Bendu, obviously, and like through himself afterwards. I feel like he has now finally full is like fully trusting the Force. Well, because he has to now. Yeah. Like when you when you lose something as valuable to you as your sight, and how transformative that can be. It can either make you stronger or make you weaker. And for yeah. Kanan, it's made him a better master, a better person. And once he reconciles with that loss, he is just become so wise. And I, ah, yeah, Kanan's great now. Yeah, it's a kind of a re reoccurring motif in uh, a lot of folk tales and stuff and mythology. Yeah, yeah. and I really like what they're doing he- uh, with with that here. Um, and I can't help but always think to the um, to the space monk in uh, in Rogue One. Oh, he's so good, space monk and the other guy. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god, that's like a joke that literally no, no one, one gets. Get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that goes back to when we recorded, and uh, no one will ever listen to those episodes. So, yes. space monk and the other guy were how we fondly referred to these two characters in Rogue One. It's just so overwhelmingly positive what Kanan does in these episodes. And we've talked about it throughout that I don't really have much to say except that he has finally arrived and I really like him now. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about like the journeys that characters go on, it's really cool to see. Like, Obviously... It's a risk at the beginning when you create a shitty character, like an annoying character like Kanan. But when you're able to turn it around, 
I find it very, very, very satisfying yeah. in a way that like few other things can do. Like, Doing it after like two seasons though, that's kind of a risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because but I was I, really fed up with it like after two seasons. If they had done it last season, that would have been probably better. But that's also obviously difficult from a narrative perspective. You can see res ret retroactively or what with like hindsight that season one to season two was one step. And I think that step needed to happen before we get this season three Kanan. And it wasn't fully the way we wanted in season two. It wasn't all the way. It was still quite annoying. But we don't change overnight. We change as a response to shit that happens in our lives and slowly. And that I think is a great journey of a character and it makes me really hopeful for you know everything else or the show as a whole so yeah it's just it's just a shame that we'll get we we had like two seasons of shitty canon and then presumably we'll now have two seasons of good canon but it is what it is and you know it's it's just great that now we have only one character that we hate so that's nice <laughs> <laughs> it's getting less and less Yeah, well, we'll see what happens in the next block of episodes as well. So. Yeah, and speaking of the next block of episodes, Rashad, which episodes are we going to watch for next time? We will be watching season three, episodes eight through fourteen. Nice. And if uh, people like the show, how can they help us? Five stars. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever the fuck you're listening to this episode. Um, and yeah. Yeah, if you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can do that, and you can find them all on seriallyhook.com, baby. Our Twitter, email, forms on the website. We have a poll on the website. How structured should we be? Answer that. All of the above. Give us more information. We'd love to hear from you. You know, when I go to America, I always bring back snacks. When I go to... Um, To Japan, you just bring back stationery. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. I was gonna, I was gonna list off different countries, and I'm just like, ah, what do I go? What do I bring back from Germany? I'm just like, uh, uh, maybe not bikes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my fucking god! Yes. Whatever happened to that bike? I still haven't sold it. <laughs> you still haven't sold it? Yeah, I, I took it to Berlin with me. Really? Oh my god! And it's still not working. Yeah, it's still not working. Maybe next time. Maybe when I come visit Berlin, I'll take it <laughs> with a more appropriately sized bike box. I mean, the yeah, true, but the bike box wasn't the problem. Yeah, also Deutsche Bahn. Fuck yeah. Deutsche Bahn.